Thank you, Ron. Thank you for singing, and you may be seated. Welcome to HBF. Uh, it's good to see you all this morning. And if you're joining us online, we're really glad that you're with us, and uh, we know many of you are not able to be here, so we're glad that uh, you're able to get us online, and we pray that you're encouraged this morning. And we haven't forgot about you. I was just talking to some of our folks this week about, you know, just connecting online, and uh, there's several that are still at home. So uh, we have not forgot about you. We still love you, and uh, I pray that you're all encouraged at home this morning. But boy, isn't it good to be together? Yeah. Amen. It is good to be together. And so this morning, if you have a Bible, we're, we're still, <laughs> I'm still concluding the book of Acts. Uh, next week, I'll be in another, we'll be starting another sermon series uh, called uh, Heart Issues. So I'm looking forward to that. But we have a little bit of business left in the book of Acts this morning as we're continuing to just look at this aspect of, of uh, acting on Acts. We want to make, we want to have action. Otherwise, right, you know, preaching's no good if there's no application, right? We've got to have some application especially when you are in a book called Acts, right? It's all about the Acts of the Apostles, and God wants us to actively continue teaching Scripture until Jesus returns. And so we're looking forward to that. Uh, and, uh, boy, there's a lot of action going on around here. There's been 5,000 Bibles assembled, another couple hundred on top of that for VBS, or 100, I, can't, I think it was, for VBS. And uh, we're excited about that project getting done. And, and uh, Mike Pepper, Missionary Mike Pepper, will be coming down this week to pick those up and uh, take those back to Philadelphia where he'll load them up and uh, send them overseas so he can meet them uh, in the fall when he gets on the ground and distribute those Bibles. Uh, so the Bibles that you've assembled here are going to, to the field in Sierra Leone, a place where the, there's a real revival, and uh, we know the people that are going to distribute them. It's not just some, you know, some faraway thing that we can't get a hold of. So it's very exciting. I want to thank everybody that's been a part of that and supported that uh, uh, both physically financially and most importantly prayerfully continue to pray for those bibles as they land and uh, be praying for the next opportunity to assemble bibles in mass which is our upcoming bible conference in september 20th through the 23rd and uh, that'll be a great time we're gonna do we're gonna trust the lord me and bob are gonna trust the lord for twenty five thousand assembled at the conference uh we'll get as many as we can get assembled and it'll be a great time in the meantime we're gonna get busy talking about acts we're gonna be getting ready for vbs so don't forget at one o'clock today right here at this bat channel, right, there is a meeting uh, for VBS. And if you're at home and you're like, man, I can't be a part of that, but you can be, you can pray for this week. Pray for people. Also, you can use social media to invite people. The registration is still open. And so just let people know. And maybe you're just hearing about this for the first time. So, man, if you have a child that's uh, it's K, right, K up through fifth, fifth grade, man, uh, get them involved. All week long, we're going to be going to Mystery Island. So, uh, uh, they've been working hard. There'll be a little bit more work this afternoon. So if you're looking for some action in Acts, you can get going to this afternoon. So we're, it, we're still open for business there. And so a lot of things happening this morning, and I'm excited about all that God is and all that God is doing. So today, if, as we continue our study, just remind you that what we covered last week, I just did a flyover of the really the introductory, introductory message uh, that we had at the very beginning as we talked about about Acts, we talked about the contrast in Acts, the transitional nature of Acts, the Spirit, the spirit of God in Acts, and then we transitioned to the message, in, acting on Acts in, in, in uh, earnest, as we looked at that first point of act like Christ. But this morning, if you want to just pick up your Bible there, Acts chapter 28, I'm going to uh, jump back off of what we saw Paul was doing at the end of the book of Acts as he was in Rome, and uh, the text there says in Acts 28 and verse 30, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man 
forbidding him. Heavenly Father, this morning we praise you and thank you, and we are so mindful that uh, as Paul was sequestered at his home, the ministry continued on. And this morning there are people in our church that are kind of stuck at home, but the ministry is going on, not, not without them, but with them as we are all together in spirit, as we're praying together, as we're encouraging one another. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are here, and I thank you for the forward progress as we uh, come together to accomplish your mission and your power for your glory, no matter what, because that's what we're called to do. And we're thankful for that great confidence that you're going to encourage us with this morning. And, lo- and Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the love of God. Lord, I, I think I just see Teresa Gear here this morning, and her father just passed away. Lord, we want to pray comfort upon her. Lord, we want to pray for Brother Jim Boyette, Pastor Jim, as he's... Uh, as he's wrestling with his uh, treatment options for cancer. And, Lord, uh, there's a lot of real battles going on in our midst, in our church body. Uh, Lord, in, a, in, in addition to uh, all the activity, the action that has to happen, Lord, we're dependent upon you. Lord, there's people under the sound of my voice today that have heavy loads. And, Lord, the Bible tells us to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I pray, God, in this world of all the, all the, the, uh, the mass information uh, the mass hysteria, the mass this, the mass that. Lord, I, ha- I pray, Heavenly Father, right now you would just uh, sanction a place, a sanctuary, a sanctum where we can come together around your word that you can speak to your church. Lord, I pray, God, for all the noise that we are faced with in our culture, Lord, that you would just uh, press that back right now, Lord, and open our hearts so that we can hear and receive the word of God. Thank you for the praise this morning. Thank you for how mighty you are. Thank you for having that exalted view that uh, Ron was just talking about. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We pray, God, you'd quicken the word of God this morning, not just in the way it's spoken, but, Lord, in the way it uh, uh, appeals and acts in our heart. Lord, I pray that the word of God would effectually dwell within us this morning. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We trust you. We call upon you. Lord, uh, we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we're in the book of Acts, uh, we've already done a lot of reviews, so if you didn't get all of that, you want to go back uh, to last week's message and also the notes that are out on the out on the connections counter. Those are still valid. If you didn't get those, you can grab some. They're still out there. We'll be picking up point two. And just by way of review, as we're looking at actively continuing teaching Scripture, uh, just as Paul did, that's what we're doing, right? We can even kind of feel, you can even feel kind of the pressure, right? Like you're not as, a, you're not as free as you once were in the free country that we live in. And it, so everybody's kind of feeling that pressure. And some of that bondage isn't just, you know, from the external forces. Maybe there's internal issues in your life that have limited your, your liberty, right? And so um, there's all kinds of things that limit our liberty. Uh, and it doesn't really matter, though. When we're Christians, we've got to act like Christ. And so, uh, so Paul continued to do that, and that's what we need to continue. Last week we saw that it's so important that if we're going to actively continue teaching Scripture, just as Paul did, no matter what, right? Paul continued the ministry, even though he was locked down in Rome. Um, you know what? One of the things we've got to do is act like Christ. We see that consistently from the beginning of Acts all the way to the very end of Acts. So last week we, we, I bounced off of Acts 11 uh, in, in verse 26 which says, And when they had found him, they brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And we saw some points there regarding Christians at Antioch. Christians that act like Christ, they, they foster fellowship, right? So fellowship's a big part of acting like Christ. Christ spent a lot of time, you know where he, made, he got his traction, was with spending time with his disciples. That's, that's really what he did. He came to prepare his disciples. Before he went to the cross, that's what he said. He says, you know what? I, I've done the work that you have me to do, Father. 
well, wait a minute. You haven't gone to the cross, Jesus. John chapter 17. What is he saying? You know, he has came to invest, invest his heart, invest his will, and to, and to inform and educate and, and be an example and an example unto the disciples. So that's what he, he did that work before he went to the cross. Right? So all of us understand that, you know, while we're here, uh, not only is it behooves us, obviously, to receive the gospel uh, and, and take on the grace of God and be born again, be renewed, uh, and be uh, reconciled to God, become a new creature in Christ. All the different uh, uh, things that transpire the moment in time when you trust Christ in his finished work and, and you call upon him to save you. Yes, he does that. That's important. That's an important work that happens in your life. It happens in a moment in time. But after that, what do we do? We spend time here fellowshipping with God and fellowshipping with one another, investing uh, in one another because the time that we have here, this is it. This is the only time in eternity that you're going to have with this carcass on here, this dead skin that you carry about every day, to choose to love God and to serve other people and to love them like Jesus did. Right? And so that's what Paul was spending his life. He spent the rest of his time, once he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, <clears throat> he spent the rest of his time also making disciples. And so really, discipleship, fellowship, and Christianity is so important. And we pointed that out because they were first called Christians, right? Uh, but they weren't just they. It wasn't just the people who said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, kind of like America. Everybody's a Christian in America. That's what everybody says, right? No, no. The people who were disciples were called Christians. The people who were, you know, the word disciple is, means you're disciplined, you're taught, you know, in the, in the business world, at least in the world I was in. If you, you had different disciplines, right? Were you AEC, architectural engineer construction? What's your discipline? What's that mean? Have you been taught? Have you been educated in, in, in this particular discipline? Well, that's the thing. Have you been educated in Christ? Are you, are you taking advantage of the lessons? His disciples, they didn't have to have a Ph.D., Right? All the wise guys were up in Jerusalem, all the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were calling the shots from all their, their education. But God selected just average people, tax collectors, fishermen. And he willingly fellowshiped with them and invested the most rich thing he could, which was his life, the most precious thing he could with his life, and he invested it in them before he left. Paul did the same thing. He worked with those who would follow Right? Are we following Christ? If we're not following Christ, well, you can say whatever you want. And you can even be saved. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying, are you a disciple of Christ? Because that's where it's at. Fellowship. Fellowship. That's what it's all about. So the Christians, act like, uh, the Christians that act like Christ, they assemble with the saints. Right? So that's another thing. Right? You, you can say all day, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, but do you never assemble? You know, well, it, how's that work in your physical family? Sorry, Mom. Mom's probably watching. I don't see you enough, Mom. But you know what? You need to, you need to spend time with your family. I'm convicted. Uh, you need to spend time with your family because otherwise what happens? You start to grow distant. And I, and I challenged you last week from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. You guys know the verse there that we're commanded. And, and I think this is important. The reason I'm retreading this ground is in this time in which we live in, it tells us very clearly in Hebrews 10, 25 that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching now we can apply that verse very literally to this culture that we're living in today you know they talk about a cancel culture but one thing that cannot be canceled is christ uh, at some point you just have to say wait a minute <laughs> right i've done i've looked at the math i've done the numbers so go you therefore right we, we've done an, we've given an honest effort 
and we're still observing that as much as we can. We do care. COVID's very real. But at the same time, we're called, and we got to go, even if it costs our life, right? And especially if it's more dangerous to drive here than it is to catch COVID, then we certainly got to count the cost and do and resume business as usual. So uh, the last thing we saw regarding this last week was disciples are called Christians, first there. And so there's some things that were evident. Disciples are called Christians because they follow Christ obediently. They, they uh, learn of Christ willingly. Uh, they serve Christ charitably. And they reflect Christ authentically. So that's really, that point, that one point's a message in itself, and it kind of was last week. So that ends really the review. So if you missed all that, you got the thumbnail flyover from last week. And this morning, I want to just pick it up. If you're on your outline, the next thing that you're going to see there is that, that, uh, that actively, as we actively continue teaching scripture, scripture and we act on Acts, not only do we act like Christ, but we continue in confidence. And that's a really big thing that we need to have today. We can pull that from the book of Acts. Doesn't that encourage you when you read the stories in Acts? I mean, it does me. I mean, you need encouragement. And this isn't some fictional book. This is actually history. And these guys weren't supermen. They were just dudes and dudettes, just like the rest of us, right? And so uh, they were people. And, uh, but they, they, they believed the Word of God, and God was actively working in their life. And by God's grace, that's who we are. That's why we spent so much time talking about what God can do with a few faithful men or women, right? A few faithful folks. And then we, we coupled that, the last half, after, verse 13, or after Acts chapter 12, with the issue of our spiritual DNA. Because this isn't just something that happened this is something that is happening, and this is who we are. We're looking at our own DNA, our own family tree. And so as we continue in confidence, um, you know what? We continue in confidence like Peter. There's several examples and examples that God gives us in the book of Acts. Peter was one of them. You know, remember in Acts chapter 2, he was confident in the power of Christ's Spirit. Now, uh, you remember Peter. Peter is a, it was transformed from denying the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to being a dynamic preacher of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, Russell's here, man. Bro, it's good to see you. We've been praying for you, and here he is. So praise God. That's awesome. Uh, and so, so Peter was transformed. I, I have been diagnosed with ADD, self-diagnosis, you know, Dr. Google. So, uh, so, so, so he was transformed from this guy who, he was just like, you know, a denier of the Lord three times. And 50 days later, he's this dynamic preacher of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that's got to encourage some of us. Because some of us, you may come this morning and you feel like, man, I am not really worthy of the Lord. I don't deserve to serve him. You know, Peter felt like that. And if it was based on merit, he would be right. But since when is our relationship with Christ based on merit? Right? We're saved by grace. And frankly, we function in grace. If it was based on merit, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. But there are decisions to be made, right? You do have to decide by faith to believe and understand you are forgiven. And you do have to deal and reckon with your sin, right? First John 1 John 1.9 is in there for a reason. And repentance is a really real thing that happens in our life daily. And we pick up, our, we pick up the Word of God and we go in faith. Peter was able to, to, by God's power, the Spirit of God, let me be careful here. It wasn't just he willed himself, I'm going to go out and preach. No, he availed himself of the power, and God infused him. Now, when you get saved, you get the power. You got the power. And I won't give another reference to CNC Music Factory. But you got the power. So, so you got the power. You don't have to wait for Pentecost. You don't have to wait for me to throw the Spirit around the room. 
It, he, he is not an inanimate object. He is a he, the Spirit of God, expressly, speak it. He is a he. He is the invisible person of Christ. And when you receive the gospel in your heart, you receive Christ in your heart. You get the Spirit of God in your heart. He circumcises and cuts you away. A lot of the confusion about that particular discussion of the Spirit we worked on in the first part of Acts, helping rightly divide the Word of God there. So the difference between denying Christ and confidently sharing Him is not in your ability, but in the power of the Spirit of God. The power is of God and does not depend upon our ability, but our availability. Now that is something you can have an influence on. It's not about your ability, but it is about your availability. The disciples, where were they were where they were supposed to be, when they were supposed to be there, and they were obedient. Now, you can't take care of that in your life. I can take care of that in my life. I can make a decision. I'm going to be in the place that God wants me to be, and I'm going to be available to God, and God can move me where he wants me to go and take me where he wants me to take me, anywhere, everywhere, however he wants to do it. I'm available to him. My life is not mine. My life is his. Well, guess what? God says, that's great. I can work with that. I can not only work with that, I will empower that. I will quicken that. It starts the day you get saved, but it is a daily decision as well as we continue to make ourselves available to the power of God through the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the local New Testament church. It's like, it's like electricity, man. You put them all together, and I was actually, just this is fresh because I was just wiring in my house this week, and boom, I kept getting bit, right? You put all three together, and ow, that hurts. <laughs> so you got to be careful. Right, the power of God, the, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the local New Testament church. You put those three together and you connect them and you become a conduit of power. But you take those, you take those stool, one of those legs away and uh, guess what? All of a sudden it's like, man, this isn't working. I know about that too, don't I? I was in there. I had that problem too this weekend. So anyway, but God's good. So we're also confident in the face of persecution. We need that, we need that kind of confidence because let's be real, guys. Uh, we've had it pretty easy in the U.S. for the last 244 years. But it could get a little tougher, right? We've had a, good, a decade of visiting and, and, and working with people who are discipling us, right? We go and we teach people the Bible, and we act like when we are. We are we're investing knowledge and information and truth in people's lives, but we're really walking away as disciples. <laughs> we're going, wow. Look at the real life uh, 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 sanctification. The, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Let's look at the, um, there's a word I'm looking for. Consecration, there it is. Look at the consecration of these brothers when we walk away from a place in Asia. And we're like, wow, we came to teach them and we left going, man, I think I just learned something here. Amen, Jeff? Isn't that the case? We're like, whoa, I'm humbled. I'm honored. I don't, I'm not worthy to latch these dudes' shoes. They're, they're sitting here for hours listening to me teach the Bible. But I have not been beaten. I have not been persecuting people. I haven't had my life threatened lately for Jesus. These people are all in, making a decision for Christ in a lot of places in the world. It not only does bring persecution, but it has for the last 2,000 years. This is nothing new. And it's not something that we can shirk away from. We need to be confident in the face of persecution. So in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, persecution didn't dissuade the apostles. I'm going to just go back quickly and look at that because you may not remember the situation. Acts 4, 1 through 4, it says, And as, as they spake unto the people, the priests and, the, and certain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved, and they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Remember, that's what Paul was preaching at the end of Acts. And they laid hands on them and put, put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, 
and the number of the men was about 5,000. So even though they were, they were held up, the, the church continued to grow. The number was up to 5,000, they believed. Now in Philippians 1.27, the Bible says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. You know, does our lifestyle, does our life really reflect the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Does it, does it, when people look at our life, do they see that? Like, this, that, that, that dude, that gal is different because of their relationship with Christ. Does it, and I love the word, the word becometh. You know what that means, right? It, it means, does, does it make, it is, it's like it's becoming. Does my life make Jesus look good? What kind of savor does that leave in the world around me? You know, when I take Amy somewhere, she just immediately, my value goes up. She makes me look good. Right? And that's what, that's what Jesus is needing from us as his bride. And he wants us to be washed up, cleaned up, smelling good, looking good, looking hot for Jesus. Now, I don't mean it like that. But in Revelation 3, right? We're either cold or we're hot. Well, let's be hot for Jesus. Let's be on fire for Jesus. Let's be in love with Jesus. Let's make him look good. Because, well, why shouldn't we, man? He's everything. And so he says, uh, let, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And that whether I come and see you or else I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the, go- the faith of the gospel. So striving together, striving, that doesn't mean you just kind of leisurely handle it. I mean, you're going after it. You're striving. You're get, you're, this is something you're struggling for. Unity, faith in the gospel. Man, our church has been attacked on unity for the last 18 years. And uh, every church that's worth their salt is going to be attacked on unity. The whole country's being attacked on unity now. Like, hey, welcome to the club, kids. All right? That's how the devil rolls. But you know what? That doesn't dissuade us. That doesn't shake our confidence. Why? Because you know what? We've got a conversation. We've got a conversation going on. We've got a lifestyle that, that, that exudes the truth of God's word. And the love of Christ cannot be quenched. And our love for each other can't be quenched. The unity of the body cannot be quenched. Read the end of the story. And so the spirit and the bride, we say, come. All the will, I won't make you. But come, because we got the good news. But wait. Verse 29 says, For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him. Everyone's like, I believe in Jesus. Okay, well, let's see. But also to suffer for his sake. Oh, Yeah. I believe. Well, good. Now we get a chance to show that. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. You know, they had an example in Peter. They had an example in Paul of how to suffer. Have you ever seen somebody that suffers well? You have, if you're a member of this church. You've seen several people suffer well. You want, I can start naming names. Cheap in my, I mean, there's people suffering well right now in our church. Suffering well is a great token a great way to show and reveal the grace of God. I think always on the top of my list is Joseph Sparks. Not only did he suffer his whole life with the, with the ravages of his memories of, of uh, Okinawa, but, uh, but he, also, he, he also suffered with cancer. I mean, and he just suffered. It wasn't easy. For the last several years, there wasn't an easy day. 
There's folks that come to our church day in and day out, week in, week out, and they never quit. And I tell you, they're suffering. It's painful. The older you get, the harder it is. And you can just see the grace of God. And there's folks that do the same thing. You know, there's, it's not so much a physical issue. Maybe it's a, it's a spiritual issue. They're suffering. There's spiritual pain. There's emotional pain. But they know, they know the power source, right? They know the Word of God, the Spirit of God. They know the church of God. I remember many years ago, our church went through a, not this church, but a church I was a, a, where I was discipled up and grown up, went through a, a, just a terrible church split. Nasty, nasty. Um, and you know what I watched the whole time was the senior pastor suffer. And he suffered well. And I remember, and to this day, Jeff Adams, I'll give you credit for that, man. He just stood in the gap, preached every week, just stood in there. And I never forgot that. I was sitting there watching him every week going, man, look at that guy suffer. He never missed a beat. He was there. And I was like, wow, that's like Jesus. It is like Jesus. And uh, I tell you guys, that's important. That's what Paul's saying in Philippians. That's what was going on in the book of Acts. They would throw everything but the kitchen sink at these people. And you know what? They would just pop right back up with confidence in Christ. And nothing you could do would stop them. Why? Because they knew how to suffer for Christ. They embraced it. <laughs> they looked a little cray-cray. So there's no fear. I've, I, you know, I already spoke uh, to Amy about that. You know, you don't know what's ahead in this Christian life. What if we became a Marxist country? What would we do? Well, I, well, I told Amy, you know what? Not too many years ago, just a few hundred years ago, Baptist preachers like, um, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress? Um, John Bunyan. John Bunyan spent a lot of time in jail. Why? Well, because he preached the Bible like we do. You know, he was an unsanctioned church or whatever, and, and he kept preaching. So he went to jail. His wife suffered. I had an arm Judson, right? He suffered in jail. His wife's hiding the Bible under the pillow. He's over in prison. She's begging the guards to get him some food, and she ends up dying on the field. I mean, that's the, that's the normal Christian life. It looks romantic in a book, but it wasn't so hot when they were going through it. I promise you that. But you know what? They had examples in the Word of God. They had examples from the book of Acts. They had the same Holy Spirit of God. And don't, so I'm not, I don't want to scare anybody here, by the way, because I know our culture, we can't hardly handle the word suffer. But the, the reality is that the good thing about this is that the grace of God and the, and, the, and, the, and the Spirit of God is able to console us. And those three things, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the, and, and, and the church of the living God, man, they come around. That's what they were coming around. Paul, who do you think was going to Rome and encouraging Paul? What was the saints? So those of you that are sequestered at home, man, we love you. We need you to know that. We don't want you to be discouraged. We've had examples in our brothers in Asia, as I've mentioned. So the most terrifying thing Satan uh, can face is a child of God who lives in victory without the fear of laying down their life for Christ. I, I don't know what will shake and rattle the Satan and his adversary more than somebody who's like, hey, whatever, man. Take me out and I'm going to heaven. And I've met some brothers like that. Um, now, we'll miss and long for the things of this earth, but the reality is every Christian, we ought to die daily. Sit around and worry, what, I, what would I do? What would I do? Well, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? You don't have to worry about the boogeyman coming to get you. Will you lay down your life daily? Will you be where you're supposed to be? Will you show up? Will you make yourself available to God's Holy Spirit? Will you submit to the leadership of the local New Testament church? I need new leaders. I need young people. I need old people. I need everybody. We need new people coming in and up. Why? Because, man, we need to go forward by faith. So their confidence was also a confirmation that they had been with Jesus. Remember talking about becoming the gospel? 
In Acts 4, in verse 13, the, the verse I was just reading, when you drop down, uh, you can read all of it later. We've already preached through it. But I want to just remind you what we saw in verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And I, I hope people, when they see us, when they see me, when they see you, they just know, man, that dude's been with Jesus. If not, then what's it all about? Then we're playing games, right? We need it to be authentic. We covered that last week. The apostles continued confident in the face of persecution, even when placed in common prison by religious leaders. In the next chapter, in Acts chapter 5, and verse 17, it says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which were the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles. And that means they handled them pretty roughly. And put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. God says, "Uh Uh-uh. Guys, just continue on. I'm going to open the prison door. You're in the common prison, but you, you have confidence in me. They continued confident in the face of persecution. Remember when I preached that. And Paul, man, or Peter, he he's sawing logs while he's in prison. He is not worried. He's resting in the Lord. Jesus aided in the apostles' jailbreak, just like Paul and, and uh, Silas in, the, in Philippi. Why wouldn't we be confident when we know Jesus will provide a way of escape? There is nothing in this life we face that we really will not escape from through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the resurrection. So when facing resistance, God gave Peter and the other apostles confidence to obey God rather than men. And that's what they said in Acts 5.29. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And we should obey as long as we can. And Christian confidence, you know what that does? It enrages many of the religious leaders. It enraged the Sadducees. It enraged the Pharisees. Why? Because their confidence was in Christ and the Word of God, and it upset their their place of authority because, well, wait a minute. These people are doing what Jesus told them instead of what we're telling them to do, and it caused consternation. But there are times, with all due respect, when we have to obey the Lord with all confidence, not with arrogance. Be careful. You can tell when someone's arrogant, but with confidence. Right? All humility for sure. Christian confidence enraged the, the religious leaders because it threatened their power and influence over God's people and convicts their hearts of sin. It says in Acts 5.33, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. You mean, you mean people could get so upset with us they'd want to slay us? I got a whole booklet that we put together and a whole video that we put together of pastors who have lived that very thing in India. Just in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been uh, made aware of a couple of men who have lost their lives in, in, uh, near Andhra Pradesh and Orissa, all for this very thing. Continuing confidence, like the deacon and the first martyr, Stephen. You guys know the story there in Acts chapter 7. Verse 57, when they cried out, he cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon them with one accord. And he cast them out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. He's the bad guy. Go get Saul. Yeah, God did go get Saul. He saved him, made him the apostle. You know how to fight this war? You've got to win your enemy. 
That's how you fight the war. You win your enemy. That's why we take the gospel everywhere it needs to go. How many of us can say here we were not the enemies of Christ? If you don't, know, if you don't start there, then you don't understand the gospel. We've all been enemies of Christ. That's what the gospel is all about, is Jesus reconciling us through his blood. It goes on to say, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord, and he said, uh, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, the same thing that Jesus said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. God said, ah, I'm going to apply that to, thank you for praying that, Stephen. I'm going to apply that, I'm going to, apply that to this guy, Saul, who's heading up this mess. And the persecutor becomes the apostle. Seen that too. In the past few weeks, as I've said, Narissa and Andhra Pradesh, there are men who are following these very footsteps. Their wives are widows. Their kids are now orphaned. They're destitute. But by the grace of God and your gifts and, and support that help these widows and their children. So pray that God continues to, to bring the persecutors to Christ. If you execute justice too swiftly, you know what happens to those souls? They perish and spend eternity in hell. If Paul would have died before he got to Damascus and met Jesus on the way, he'd have died and went to hell because he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. That's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost is calling you to salvation, when he's calling you to repentance, you need to listen and you need to receive the gospel while you have opportunity because God is not obligated to continue although he often does because he's so rich in mercy and grace. Continue in confidence like Philip, the evangelist. Remember Philip? I'm not going to turn there, but in Acts 8, 26 through 40, he, he ministers to the Ethiopian eunuch. He gets called away. He's available for God. God takes him. The Spirit of God draws him to a man who's opening up the book of Isaiah and reading, leads him to Christ. I love those stories, those divine appointments that God gives us where you just run into somebody at 7-Eleven, next thing you know, they get saved and their whole life's changed. And God does that stuff. He really does. God's incredible. Are you available? Philip was confident in the leading of God's spirit in the desert and in the city. It didn't matter where he was at, right? It didn't matter if he was out in a cow field in Harrisonville or he was in the heart of a, of a major city like Chicago. He was, he was absolutely uh, allowing the spirit of God to use him, and he becomes known as Philip the Evangelist. Now, that should encourage us. We should be confident in evangelism, not because we're great evangelists, but because the Spirit of God works in and through us. Now, continue in confidence like Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. He was not just Saul. He becomes Paul. In 2 Corinthians twelve nine, the Bible says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, not in general, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. It is, you're going to suffer, but it's no fun to suffer because you're a knucklehead. Right? But when you're suffering for Christ's sake, there's a grace that comes with it. And Paul says, I take pleasure in that. And I think as your pastor, probably if I failed in anything as a pastor, it's really living that out, embracing embracing those sufferings that come with the ministry. We're to, we're to embrace that, not to run from it, not to flee from it. 
but to take pleasure in the fact that we're identifying with Christ. Have you ever done that in a persecution, a suffering situation? Maybe someone's accusing you of something that's not true or, uh, or they're not taking the time to learn the whole facts or they just have no, you can't even mention all the details and people are just going to make their judgments. And a lot of people, because they're, they're weak in the faith, they'll just, they just quit. But really, as Christians, you've got to understand, hey, welcome to, the, welcome to the club. This is what Jesus dealt with perpetually. And you know what he responds with? Charity, love, forgiveness, grace mercy i remember one time one of our members said brian you need to be meaner i'm like i got what are you talking about meaner i got saved from that you don't want me to be mean i don't want to be mean god didn't save me to be mean if he wanted me to be mean he'd have left me lost he wants to change that in me all of us can get in our flesh and throw down with people you know what that's what the world's coming to People don't know how to deal with life anymore, so they got to take it out on their neighbor. But the truth of the gospel is that we can take everything and anything because we have the Spirit of God living in us, and we got resurrection power. And so there's a certain amount of grace that comes with receiving that and an understanding that, wow, Jesus, this is what you were up against. Wow, thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for the privilege of suffering with you and, and feeling and being touched with the, the feeling of your infirmity. And filling up the sufferings of Christ, as Paul put it. Hey, anybody want to sign up for that? Anyone at the mega church want to sign up for that? Anyone in America want to sign up for that? Maybe not. But I tell you what, I can, I got, there's armies of Christians around the world. They're buying the t-shirt right now. And don't get me wrong, I'm not dissing on the American church. There's a lot of good godly saints in the American church. So, Paul was confident in Christ's sufficiency in his Christian life. And that's really what it boils down to. Christ is enough, and he's got to be enough. Paul lists many of the difficulties faced as he followed Christ. Let me just recount them for you from 2 Corinthians 11. I speak concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whensoever any is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are you Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes oft above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, and in fastings often in cold and nakedness Woo! that's a lot of stuff and besides that right besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches who's weak am i not weak who is offended and i burn not you think i don't get honked off i must needs glory if i must needs glory i'll glory in the things which concern mine infirmities the god and father of our lord jesus christ which blessed which is blessed forevermore knoweth that i lie not He's like, this is, take it to the bank. You read that list, you're like, how can any one man, that's like, a, that's like several lifetimes of suffering in one man's life. He even says, oh, and by the way, and in Damascus, the governor under uh, Eretus, the king, kept the city of Damascus with a garrison desirous to apprehend me, 
And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. You know what? God delivered me out of all of it. Amen. Beloved, you can have confidence because you've been delivered. There is nothing in this life that God won't deliver, deliver you from, even death. And that brings a certain confidence. Paul knew he was on a mission. God was taking him somewhere, and he was ready to go. And so whatever he endured, he endured it because he knew that Jesus Christ had already won the victory. Paul's account here in 2 Corinthians didn't even include his arrest in Jerusalem, his imprisonment in Caesarea, his perilous journey to Rome, nor his travel and hardships leading up to 2 Timothy, or his imprisonment at the end. So Paul charges us, okay, this is where the rubber meets the road, to have confidence in Christ till we see him in the clouds, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read a lot here, but you're going to hang on to the last verse. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Endure hardness is what he's saying. And preach the word. Do what you're supposed to do. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but with their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Don't take rejection personally, pal, because it's coming. People are going to have their rights and have their way. Verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, from here on out, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that, at that day. And not to me only. Oh, yeah, here it comes. But to y'all. But unto all them also that love his appearing. What a great time right now. What a great time to really measure that thing out. And consider, do we love the Lord's appearing? And if not, why not? Do you need some motivation to love the Lord's appearing? Turn off my message and turn on the news. That'll give you some motivation, right? But that's not enough. That's going to bring you down. So turn off the news and turn up the gospel. Turn off the news and turn up the gospel and get ready for Jesus' appearing. Love is appearing. Live it out. Why? Because we've got a race to run. You cannot stop. Good night. That's crazy. I get tired of that. I'm getting tired of being accused of running too hard. You know what? I don't know what else to do. I'm running to Jesus, and Jesus is coming soon. I want to meet him. So listen, do thy diligence. Paul said, do thy diligence to come unto me. Do thy diligence to come shortly, he says unto me. He means quickly. Get here as quick as you can. I want to see you, Timothy. Man, are you ready to get in the air and see those that have gone before? Are you ready to carry out the mission that God's given you? That's why we have the book of Acts, because God wants us to act upon it. God wants us to embrace this message. He wants us to embrace all of Christianity, not just what you can buy at Zondervan. He wants us to embrace a biblical Christianity so that we can run the race and finish our course so that someday when we look back, you see ourselves and we're like, hey, I don't feel so bad up against all those guys in the book of Acts or the guys in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. At least I gave it a go. At least I got in the octagon. <laughs> I may have got knocked out, but I got in there. I went after it. Be ready to meet the Lord and the Apostle Paul in the clouds any minute from now. <laughs> it's going to seem kind of crazy if we're whining and complaining now, and then we get to heaven and we're standing there next to Paul. It's going to be like, oh, yeah. No, forget it. Uh, no, I, was, I had no problems. It was all good. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> 
Nope, didn't face any problems. Actively continue teaching Scripture. So, so do this. Act like Christ. Continue in confidence and then teach those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 28, 31, the Bible is very clear. The last thing that we saw there was that Paul was investing in those who would receive his teaching there. It says that he was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. So this is, a, this is a practical. I'm going to give you some practical points here. Just be teachable. Be teachable. We cannot teach what we don't know. Uh, some folks need to, to seek uh, Paul out so they can learn about the kingdom of God and the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to find out, what is Paul talking about here? I don't quite get this kingdom of God thing. Well, Paul would explain it all for them. Today, there's a lot of other things that, that are being taught in church. But stick with the things that matter. We have the seven mysteries. That's a great place to start. Right? We're stewards of the mysteries of Christ. That puts your Bible together. That helps you understand how to rightly divide the word of God. Don't let some theologian to talk you out of a dispensational view of the Bible. By the way, the word dispensation is found in your Bible. And so these are, these are, these are biblical principles that you've got to learn. You don't just get saved and go, Oh, I know how to rightly divide the New Testament and the Old Testament. I know how to write, I understand uh, the seven mysteries. No, you don't. That takes some, that's what the church is here. That's why Ephesians 4 has given us teachers and pastors and evangelists. They give, God is equipping the church. Not just this pastor, but all the, we got a great team here at HBF. we got a great fellowship in the Living Faith Fellowship. People that can divide up the Word of God rightly, because there's a lot of people dividing it up wrongly, erasing a lot of that, confusing people. They were coming to Rome to talk to Paul because they had to discern the times and the seasons and all the changes that were going on. It was a time of transition. Well, beloved, if you don't know where we're at in history, it's a time of transition. And you better hold fast to the faithful word as you've been taught, or you're going to get confused in a hurry. So 2 Timothy 5, you know the verse, or 15, it says this, chapter 2 and verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. There's some work involved that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. We don't need, it. We don't need what anyone thinks, including the preacher. What we need is what does the word say? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so if you're not in church that has a normal view of dispensations, you're not in a church that understands how to rightly divide the word of God. And you know what? I, you can get in one. You can get in this one. You can get in several others. I can direct you to some. Today, it, it, is, it is vogue and popular to deny these proper divisions of God's word. And what happens then is it leads to this vain babbling, this blindness, and this deafness. Jesus is standing at the door knocking, and people can't hear him anymore. They're deaf. They can't see anymore because they're blind because they have not handled the Word of God properly. Man, it's terrible. So be available. Paul spent one year with Antioch, uh, in Antioch with Barnabas in Acts eleven twenty six, and he put some time into that. Uh, <clears throat> not only was Barnabas teachable, but you know what? Paul learned something. When he went down to Antioch with Barnabas, he learned that these are some faithful folks. The whole missionary movement that was established by the Apostle Paul was based in Antioch. Paul spent 18 months in Corinth, <clears throat> according to Acts 18:11. Paul spent three years in Ephesians, according to Acts 20 and verse 31. And from Ephesus came at least six more churches in Asia. And that was a great investment by the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> so how many years have you been investing your life in teaching all who will come about, to you about the kingdom of God and the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ? 
That's an opening a question. Now, I'll give you a break. If you just got saved, and, or you're not saved, well, you haven't spent any years doing that, and we understand. But how many years have you been at HBF? I mean, from D1, D2, HBI, what, 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 what information do you not have available? I mean, that doesn't mean we know everything, but we'll give you a good start. We'll certainly give you enough where you can invest your life. You don't have to be a pastor, a missionary, nothing. You can just be who you want to be in Jesus. And you can invest your life teaching people about the kingdom of God if you want it. I'm not going to chase you down. You got to want it. You got to want it. Some quit investing. Some quit investing in gold and silver and precious stones. Or they spend their substance on things they ought not. It ends up being wood, hay, and stubble. There's no better investment than investing in the word of God and the souls of men and women. Beloved, I've been investing in, in that for 18 years here at HBF. I think about, man, the results. You know, folks are like, whoa, well, we've planted a couple churches and we've had missionaries go out. And we have, and praise God for all that. I'm not minimizing that. Praise God for that. You know, Judson worked for a long time before he had a convert. So did, uh, so did uh, William Carey. But we also were on the buckle of the Bible belt. I've been here 18 years. Are we turning the world upside down? Hey, it's way too early to break our arm patting ourselves on the back. We're just getting started. we got a short time left. We don't have near the, the, the stuff that we'd like to have, uh, meaning people, money, equipment. I mean, Bob would like some new binders. Uh, we'd, lo- we'd love to have a lot more stuff, but what God really needs first before anything is our heart. That's why I'm going to do a series on the heart coming up. Because it really isn't about us. It's about Jesus. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The issue isn't what isn't about stuff. God can provide stuff. What God really wants is us. He wants us to be all in. And you know, I feel like I'm talking to the choir. So team, you're all in. Don't get, don't, don't get self-condemned here. You're, you're a great church. This church runs hard on very little, and I, I just don't want to overdrive the sheep either. We need God's grace and mercy. Because you got to take a rest, you got to take a vacation, you got to so balance your life. So don't let me stir you up so much that you run yourself in a ditch. But you need to be filled with the Spirit of God, because the only way to accomplish the mission of God is in the power of God, and the power of God comes through the Spirit of God, and that's what brings glory to God. And so we have to be super connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to be teachable, we got to be approachable. You know, uh, Paul was not a, a rock star. You know, he didn't pull up in a limo. He didn't fly in on a Learjet. He was just a man on a mission who wanted to invite all who would follow Jesus to drink of the water of life freely. The Spirit and the bride say, come. You can have all the knowledge of the world, but no one will care what we know until they know that we care. And that's so true. That's why Ephesians 4 says, let no, cor- no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Man, how many of us have violated that? I have. I mean, I, that irritates me. Sometimes I catch myself. I'm like, what was I saying? You know, Jesus help me. But, out of, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Is it going to build someone up? If not, don't say it. You say, well, I can't control myself. Yes, you can. You just don't want to. That it may minister grace into the hearers. How much grace are you dishing out through your tongue? I even ask myself that. How much grace? Are you guys getting any grace here? I hope I'm not filling you up with condemnation. I want you to understand there's God, God's got a lot of grace. All kinds of grace. 
love and in mercy. But he's also not playing. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. I like that word let. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Yeah, but I'm angry, Brian. I just talked to a member last week, super angry. I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Can you let that go? No, I'm angry. I'm sorry. That's all I got. Nobody meant to hurt you. Let it go. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I mean, that's the word. The word of God. Aren't you glad you've been forgiven? Yeah, man, me too. Hey, if you've offended me, if you're out there in the strat, yeah, no one's offended me. I was talking with Kathy, retirement, we were going through memories, and she brings up something. I said, I forgot about that. She's like, well, that was like three weeks ago. I know. I said, I'm so glad I forget about that stuff. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not mad. Praise God. Actively continue teaching Scripture. Act like Christ, continue in confidence, and teach those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, stay faithful to the Scripture. This will be short. Hold fast to the faithful word as you've been taught. Paul told Titus to hold fast to the faithful word as he's been taught, literally, that you may, may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Exhort them and convince them. 2 Timothy 3.14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scripture, which, is able to, which are able, I'm sorry, to make thee uh, wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 2 Timothy 1.13, Hold fast the form of sound doctrine. Right, hold on like a sword, which thou hast heard of me in faith, in love, which is in Christ Jesus. First Timothy one nineteen, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. You can't let go of your faith. Nothing can shake your faith. Nothing can shake your confidence in the word of God. From the day we began this church, early on, there, that has been constantly drum rolling in our culture, in the Christian culture. Let go of the Bible. Let go of the word. Let go of a literal interpretation. Let go of a dispensational view of the Bible. Let go. And I say, no! I'm going to hold fast to the faithful word as I've been taught. Because it is self-evident when you read it. I ain't nobody's fool. I can read too. Holding the faith and a good conscience. It's not enough just to know where the truth is. <laughs> we got to be living it. Which some having put away concerning faith that made shipwreck. Second Timothy 2 2. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I hope everybody, I hope this is an army of faithful folk that are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be disobedient to the heavenly vision. You know, Paul laid that out as we got toward the end of Acts, right? You remember that, all that drama leading up to King Agrippa? And man, it comes down to this. Paul says, Whereon. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
Man, King Agrippa, I wish that you were like me. <laughs> Not almost persuaded, but fully persuaded. Oh, by God's grace, we're fully persuaded of the truth of God's word. And we act it out in a way that changes the world around us. We have a sure word of prophecy. Don't let go of it. 1 Peter 1, 19-20 makes it very clear that the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have a more sure word of prophecy. The Bible tells us that we should take heed unto it. It is a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star. Who's the day star? That's Jesus Christ. Until he arises in our hearts. We're looking forward to meeting him. Man, we should hold fast to the faithful word. Stay faithful to Scripture. You know, for the past hundred years, the Bible has systematically been attacked. If your church is going to be faithful to the Scripture, the member has to be faithful to the Scripture. If the words of this book are not precious and more precious than our necessary food, then we need to reevaluate our priorities. It's by the Word of God that everything there is was formed. I mean, God spoke the world into existence. It's by the word of God that everything is. And God's word must be a priority in our lives. Because if it's not a priority, if this book isn't a priority in my life, it's not going to be a priority in anyone else's. I just talked to someone today about that. The importance of the priority of the word of God in our lives, it's everything. It's everything, especially when the times get tough. And let me tell you something, a little secret, beloved. If it's not a priority... Sometimes God will allow the times to get a little tough so you'll remember where the priority is. You know what? We should be thankful for that. If what comes from all the drama in our culture is a bunch of Christians getting more committed to God's word and the gospel and to one another, (laughs) hallelujah, there's the power of God. It doesn't take an army. It only takes a few faithful men who understand their spiritual DNA and turn this world upside down because they're all in for God's word. If I could give you one admonition from our time in Acts, is to actively continue teaching scripture until Jesus Christ returns. And we do that by acting like Christ, continuing in confidence, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, and staying faithful to the scripture. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this time in your word. I ask a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. Thank you for these that are here today.